Welcome to The Thriving Christian Artist, the podcast where we hope you connect with God to bust through the roadblocks that have held you back for years, create the work you love, and really live the life you know God created you to live as an artist in His kingdom. I'm Matt Tommy, your host. Let's get started. Well, hey, everybody, it's Matt Tommy, and I'm so glad that you're on the podcast with me today. I've got my friend Jacob Daniels, who's here from Boone, North Carolina, with Overflow Studios. And not only is he an incredible painter, which is how I got to know him, but also woodworker. His wife is a ceramicist. They've got this incredible art business that they're growing, as well as family up there. And Jacob, I'm so excited that that you're here with me today to share your story. Yeah, thanks, Matt, for having me on. I'm I'm uh, honored to be here, and um, just love all that you do, and seeing seeing what you what you go through. So I'm excited just to kind of talk and share a little bit of my journey. Absolutely. We were just talking about before we got on the balance with family life and all that. You guys have a brand new baby in addition to your other child that you've had for a while now, and so it's like yeah, yeah. life is a is a juggle. Tell everybody about what's going on with that and how y'all are even trying to balance what you're doing artistically <laughs> as well. Yeah, we, uh, you know, we've got a one, one and a half month old and a, a two year old just turned two. And uh, uh, so jumping back into the infant life while having a um, two year old with that whole dynamic of, you know, him finding out himself and having a bunch of fun. I mean, sure. it's uh it's a like you said, it's a whirlwind. It's a roller coaster, but it's it's awesome. We're having a we're having a good time with it for sure. That's awesome. Now, when you guys got married, did you have the vision of going into business together and doing your art full time, or was this something that you kind of evolved into slowly? Or I mean, it's it's definitely something we just evolved into. I mean, we really didn't know. It's, it was one of those just take it day by day and see where, you know, the Lord led us and uh, where the doors opened and where they closed. You know, I've never really had a set career path plan, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, and just just taking it day by day. And um, we've always have had different plans, but it's always, which is good. And it leads us in one direction, but sometimes life takes us in a completely different direction that we didn't expect. Yeah. Um, so it definitely, definitely wasn't something that I had originally planned to do was right. to be a full-time artist. Uh, but I'm super happy and excited that I get to do that. Um, and so, yeah. Well, so talk about a little bit about how you even came to your creativity, because I know you grew up in a family that really honored that. But, you know, like a lot of people, you may not have or maybe you did have a context for even what being a full time artist looked like. I know I didn't. And it's right. the same kind of thing. You have these dreams and these, uh, you know, desires to do this. But you're like, I don't know anybody that's doing this, much less making a living from it. So yeah. talk about maybe some of your early years and your development into art and even seeing that as a possibility. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I grew up in uh, a vineyard church. Yeah. Which, uh, along with uh, Stephen Roach, Stephen Roach was actually in the same church as me. Wow. And um, the, it was so amazing because they embraced so much of a creative lifestyle. It wasn't specifically about studio art or anything like that, but they're, it's what I loved about that church is it was so expressive, you know, with all the flags and 
just the worship and the dancing and, you know, the, the whole train around. The... <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh, when I was a kid, I just remember like being underneath the, the, the auditorium and just seeing the floor move up and down, you know, just cause they were like going crazy. So I, it was definitely the people that um, fostered that creative lifestyle. And that's mm. what I saw when I was growing up and it never really registered to me, but it was something that was kind of subconscious. And then a lady, um, you probably know her, Kathy Bresnahan. Oh yeah, sure. She went to my church too, grew up with her. I wish and, I could have gone to y'all's church. This sounds like a I know. <laughs> it was it was awesome. It was really cool. Um, but so growing up into that, and then also growing up around the Helsers, right. Jonathan and Melissa Helser, we would go out there every Thursday for a worship night when it was just raw, you know, nothing. There wow. wasn't really a lot going on there other than they just loved to worship. So we would just get in the bathhouse and just. Um, just go at it and and then the arch kind of sprung from that mm. um and we you know go to the men's retreats every every week every uh every year and it, it's something that just kind of happened naturally and that was kind of around the time when people started like painting during worship and doing you know creative things so the first time i actually painted um well, back up, like I, I was interested in art coming through school, through high school, I would draw, you know, just because I love to do it for sure. no other no other reason, really. And God kind of came in the middle of that, you know, and that's kind of been the kind of theme of my life really is just doing what I love and then him coming into it. I you love know, that because uh, it's like God does things in spite of us. It's like I always tell people, you know, because sometimes people will say, well, Matt, you know, how do you engage the Holy Spirit in your creative process? And like, it's this really contrived sort of thing. And I'm like, I really have come to this place where I come in the studio, I make what I love and God moves in me and through me in spite of me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just get to yeah. be along for the ride, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly how it's been. And, um, so I first, you know, the awakening that Jonathan and Melissa Helser did, like yeah. the original, whether the live recording of the awakening. Absolutely. Um, so that was the first time I ever painted live wow. was there. And Kathy Rosenhan was the one that kind of really pushed me to do that, you mm. know? And it was, since it was the first time I was like terrified, you know, I didn't know. <laughs> and, uh, I painted like a cross coming out of the world or something like that, you know? That right. Was, Really, really inspiring. <laughs> uh, but it was it was great. I mean, it was the it was the first time I really experienced that kind of, and I was um, I loved it. Yeah, and yeah. It was really exciting. So that kind of started my journey of um, fumbling my way through what it is to be an artist and um, as a as a Christian too. And it took me a long time. I mean, and it was all, and God knew that I needed that, that, um, encouragement to keep, keep going. So, so I would do drawings in high school. You know, I drew this one picture of a, of a homeless man and, uh, it's called brotherly love. And that was one of the first things I did. And it wasn't, I just 
did it, you know, and then I, it just kind of came and I surrounded it with um, verses and different things. And it was kind of the theme of um, the Hebrews verse. Yeah. Let brotherly love continue because some of it entertained angels are the unawares. Mm. And um, I had I had one experience that I really remember that kind of that kind of solidified in me that God really wants to use my art and co-labor with me in art um, in my life. And that was when I used to go to this thing called Pig Fest. <laughs> and <laughs> I think they changed the name to the Greater Gathering. I don't even know if they do it anymore, but there was this man named Jim Van Erden. He was this amazing mentor. Um, he's a film producer. He has 12 kids and they're all just like the amazing, most amazing kids. You go to their house and there's always, each kid has at least one or two friends over. So there's just always people and dogs and, you know, they're always cooking meals and they're just an amazing family. And, um, I really inspired to be like him one day, but he used to do this thing once a month where we would bring people around the table, food, um, you know, 30 or so people all from different life, uh, walks and lifestyles of pastors, teachers, atheists, just, you know, all different lifestyles. And we would, we would bring propositions to the table and, uh, it could be like political. It was like five different things like political, um, social, religious. Um, I don't remember all of them, but, and then we would have 15 minutes to discuss these topics and you could play the devil's advocate and all kinds of stuff. So but, but what I'm getting to is one of the times he wanted me to bring that drawing as the proposition and just leave it at, leave it like that. Don't say anything about it and pass it around as people, so people would look at it and, you know, kind of talk about what it meant to them, which was pretty neat. Yeah. You know? Um, and this one guy, he just like broke down crying when he saw it. And he said he grew up in Jamaica and there's this homeless man and it looked just like him and they call him dummy. Mm. And, um, cause he was, he was, he was deaf and I think he was blind or mute. And, um, but he was a kid then and he just like would hang out with him and he, he loved this, this man, you know? And as he looked at the picture, it just reminded him of the simple love that he had for this guy, you know? And uh, it just brought him back to that place, you know. And so when I saw that, I was just like, it really moved me um, that art can really be such a a portal and a medium um, for God to use. Absolutely. Um, that, like you said, it wasn't really anything that I had planned or did, but he already, he knew that, you know, God knew that and he orchestrated that. So, Which is the beautiful um, thing about art, I think. I mean, it's the, it's the mystery of it that we're creating one thing and yet when the Holy Spirit uses that as this beautiful intersection point with somebody, all of a mm -hmm. sudden he morphs it into something that they need in that place at that time for their life. And right. how incredible to be involved in that, you know? Right. Yeah. No. You exactly. talked you talked very uh humbly about this kind of fumbling experience and kind of developing as an artist and yet when I think of uh, skillful, incredible artists, I think of you because your work is not only the perspective that you bring artistically, but the light that's in your work, not only realistically, but, you know, uh, spiritually as well. You just have such a beautiful voice that God has uh, developed and continued to develop in you. 
talk a little bit about how you got from that high school kid who was drawing maybe in church and maybe sketching around just some ideas to to where you are now because obviously that's been a a journey of purposed development and I know you're mm-hmm. uh you're very thoughtful and and purposeful about that in your own life so mm-hmm. what's that been like because I think a lot of artists when they think oh man God's called me as an artist he's given me this gift you know you hear a lot of this kind of thing of well God's just going to download it to me and I'm yeah, like yeah. well he's going to download some inspiration and then what you're yeah. going to have to do is lean into that and do some you know development yeah. with him so talk about that process in your life yeah, so, you know, what I've seen is that I think one of my, I see a lot of weaknesses in my life more than I see strengths. And um, I I always have a kind of a vision about where I want to go, you know, and I always, I guess one of my fears is that I have unused potential or it's like of, of not um, not fulfilling the potential that God has for me, you know. So I always see other art, and I'm trying to strive to get better, get better, get better. Just in my just in my in my creative process, in the way I paint, um, and I guess you know I started that. I didn't start painting till I was in college, right. really painting. And um, I remember I did the first first painting, real painting. I feel like I did was drawn out. And it's the guy in the boat uh, pulling pulling the fish out of the water, and it's coming out over the um, top of the boat, and they're turning into birds. And um, I don't know if you've seen that one. I don't think I have, yeah. Um, but it's a huge painting. It's like six by eight feet. Mm. And um, I started that in school, and it, I, that's where I really started to figure out, okay, it's a real struggle to get out what's in your head and actually bring it into, into the real life, you know, in a way that it works from your head to, cause you see it in your head and it's amazing. And then it's put on on canvas and it's like, Oh man, that's not amazing. You know? <laughs> not so much. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started to realize like the way that you paint really affects even the meaning of the work. Um, and cause you can't have just an amazing vision and then just paint it however way and expect it to really speak the way it speaks to you, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that kind of began my journey of really trying to learn. Um, and this is kind of what I spoke about a little bit in your, in the class that I did at the gathering of artisans is that there's a divine, there's a divine order right in the world that God created this world and everything goes by that order and out of that order comes freedom right so I I started to learn that even in art there's a way to do it you know there's a there's a there's a design um, whether it come and in, in painting it's the composition it's the color it's the light like you said um, and everything works together to make a piece that speaks deeply, you know, and, um, those all, all, all those things, most people don't recognize. They just see the piece and they're like, Oh, it's beautiful. Right. But, you know, as an artist, you want to try to master those things to work towards, to work for you in what you're trying to say. And so that one drawn out piece, the first time I painted it, it was awful. It was terrible. It was, um, 
<laughs> and I ended up painting over it and doing it again. Once I, once I began to learn and, um, about the, about how to paint. And so from the, that Christian setting of, uh, like, like the prophetic art setting and, and doing those things, you know, I saw that a lot of the, the training was kind of lacking, um, in how to paint. So I kind of more turned to, towards the secular, the secular world of artwork, right. you know, and cause it seems to me, and I don't know why this is, but that, um, there, there seems to be sometimes a different standard. Right. Um, and it's not a good or bad thing. And I, and, and there's a, the way that prophetic art is pushed. And I think it's, it's, it's growing and getting a lot better as you see it, you know, a lot of Christian and prophetic artists are really, really pushing and and uh, trying to, I don't want to say it, um, grow in their own art, you right. know, and not stay stagnant in one place just because of what they've seen in the past, you know, because I think right. there's so much that God has for each individual artist, you know, everybody has their own voice. Absolutely, um, I mean, I think it, I've always said that it's. It's like in Exodus 31 where it says Bezalel was both filled with the Spirit of God and skilled in every mm -hmm. manner of workmanship. That it's like you have to have both because skill enlarges your capacity to, for freedom and to move in the Spirit. But if you don't have skill, you know, like you're saying, I got this vision, but I, I didn't know how to actually get it on canvas, then yeah. that's a limiting factor in your relationship with the Lord. And so... I hope, I know that's one of the things I'm really passionate about and you as well is, is trying to help people understand that, listen, everything that comes from the Lord does not have to be this spontaneous, unrehearsed sort of thing that just happens on the canvas or in the studio or uh, on the wheel, whatever it is that you're doing creatively. But as we grow, his movement through us grows and yeah. it's, and the expression gets deeper and more meaningful and because I think one of the things that is easy for kind of churchianity to do and and for people who are all of us who are believers it's easy when you're starting out to kind of lean on that relationship with the Lord and use it almost as an excuse well you know yeah. you, sh you should like this because God inspired me to do it and I'm like well yeah but it's still ugly you know <laughs> I mean it's you know there's yeah. There's, yeah. there's still some immaturity there that needs to develop and that's not a bad thing like you're saying god orders our steps and and brings the right people at the right time um i think inspiration should always be the the leading thing that's pushing us into skill development and that's what i hear you saying is that you know as you were leaning into that you wanted to uh develop more skill in order to enlarge yeah. your tool belt if you will exactly yeah and i you know, and maybe there's two different, I'm not sure, but maybe there's two different um, parties. Like for me, I see, I saw that God was leading me into more of a ministry of the, of the arts. And, but I also see that some people want it more for a, something of just in and of themselves, Absolutely. you know, like, like a therapy thing for sure. themselves, worship the Lord. You know, it's almost like speaking in tongues. Sure. It may not benefit anyone else you know but it benefits them right just to express themselves through the art you know so and you may not want to they may not want to take that any further than that 
which is fine, you know, but if you're, if you're trying to say something and express in ministry, it's almost like with music, you know, if you're a worship leader, you're going to practice, you know, they practice all the time, you know, to, because you're trying to bring somebody into, into a state of worship, you know, and if it, if it sounds terrible, you know, that's going to be pretty hard to do that. Right. Um, Same thing with art, you know, that if it, if it looks terrible, then it may be not doing what you want it to do. Um, Absolutely. I know I love the name of your studio, Overflow Studios, because I think, just like you would say, I, I'm sure that art is the overflow of our life, of what God's doing in mm-hmm. and through us. And mm-hmm. sometimes, I heard Jonathan Helzer say this one time, sometimes the overflow of your life is for you know, your prayer closet. And then sometimes it's for your home group or your church. And then sometimes, you know, as you steward that overflow, it's for the nations, you know, but there's a, there's a progression that happens. I don't think anybody can, can have a a nation shifting overflow in their art without starting in the prayer closet and in that intimate place of the Lord. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with letting your creative expression be just that, just a a, a place where you worship and interact with him. And so, um, Well, I, I like to have my hands in a bunch of different things and the stuff with the woodworking and metalworking, I just enjoy it. And it's a nice, um, it's a nice reprise from, you know, sitting in front of a canvas every day, all day or, um, doing print work or something like that. So I've, I've kind of weaned, I did full-time woodworking actually before I got into artwork. Wow. And so I built tables. I helped, helped a guy start a business up here called the, the, um, the upper barn. Mm-hmm. And he does, we tore down the old hay barn and I built him, I designed and built a bunch of trestle style, um, reclaimed barnwood tables for his daughter's wedding. Wow. And I don't know, maybe 18 of them. And then that started a whole business of, uh, selling furniture and also renting tables for weddings up here. Mm. So I did that for a couple of years actually, and, uh, made these tables. And so I just enjoyed, I enjoyed the woodworking. I did art and then slowly the art kind of, as I, as I grew in it and as, you know, got more out there, it kind of slowly grew into, okay, I need to jump more, you know, both feet in to this art thing and not, um, not just keep, cause it, it, when you have, you know, both feet in two different things, it's hard to focus on it. Right. But right. I, so I don't do as much woodworking anymore. I do it for fun for me. And then sometimes I'll do like a uh, sculpture work. Like I just did a sculpture for, I, you know, I did a big, um, project for a new building in Charlotte, uh, new, residential building so i did a bunch of paintings big big paintings and a big metal sculpture for that space right um so it was and i would love to say that i can just get in the studio and paint just what i want to paint and then you know people were knocking down my doors to buy it but that's not the way it is you know and uh, a lot of times it's a it's a hustle uh to really to really push um, to get your art in front of people and, you know, to make a living at it. It's not, it's not easy. We do a lot during the, 
during this season, during the summertime. I mean, sometimes we're, we're like triple booked on weekends for shows. Wow. And um, so it's definitely, but, but I've seen a lot of fruit come out of that. You know, I say it's a hustle, but I enjoy it. I enjoy to do it. And um, that's where I talk to people. That's where I meet people. I like to paint outside at shows, and uh, we we go to our local farmers market um, thirty times a year. Wow! And so yeah, and I and I and I paint out there, and I meet a ton of local people, a ton of uh, tourists, and a lot of my follow up business comes from those kind of things. And you know, I can't do that forever, but while while I still have that energy to do that. I'm going to do it, but you know, later down the road, my vision is just to have a studio where I can paint and maybe move more out of, cause I sell a lot of prints, mostly prints in those settings, um, canvas prints and paper prints. And that's kind of really what's furnished my business to keep going mm. is, um, is the reproductions, which, you know, some people look down on. And I have a friend that he sells mostly originals and that works for him, yeah. you know, and, um, but he has, he does design work mostly, but, that's that's kind of helped me move along and to, to make a living in the art. I think most people, especially as they're starting out, though, they underestimate the time that it takes to develop a market, develop your your voice, you know, understand yeah. what you're doing. And, you know, it is a hustle, I mean, to get out there, and it takes grit to not give up when you don't sell something at a show or when it's hard. But I Exactly. Think- yep. Yeah, that's the way I feel about it. You know, and it's the times... Honestly, it's not like I've gotten to the point where it's like I, if I don't sell anything at a show, it's like oh well, you know. It, it kind of evens out in a sense. Yeah. When before it would like get me emotionally down, you know. But I would the the times that really make it come alive to me is when somebody walks in my booth and they see a painting, and they just start like crying, or it just like really speaks to them in a way, and it, it opens up the doors for me. Um, to speak, you know, it's, it's like one painting. I did one painting called The Mending, and it's uh, this lady in a field of flowers, um, and she's leaning down, and she's picking the flowers, but she's picking them in, the, in this spot of a broken fence, and this fence is, like, down, and she's, she's like, leaning down, and, and there's this field of, of beautiful red flowers on the other side. And I called it, and I didn't have really any purpose for this painting when I started it. It just kind of moved into this. But I called it the mending because she's bending down and she's picking this flower in the midst of this broken fence. And most of, you know, our worldly mind would be like, we need to fix that fence. You know, that's the priority. Yeah. Um, But she's putting the priority on the beauty of the field. Mm. And it's mending her perception of beauty, but it also speaks of beauty and the brokenness. And um, this lady came into my booth and she saw, she saw that painting. She just started weeping. She's like, she didn't even know why she was just crying. Wow. And um, then she began to tell me that her son had committed suicide uh, the year before that. And um, so that that painting of the of the the beauty coming out of the brokenness you know was speaking to her soul that she just i I see that a lot like people don't really know why but it's it's speaking to them you know because a lot of most of my art is not it's not what you would call christian art i mean like that last time at the awakening was like the only time i painted a cross (laughs) thank god right (laughs) (laughs) and but i paint things that make me come alive Mm. and 
Um, That's I know a painting is finished when it speaks back to me. Yeah. You know, it's ministering back to me. Yeah. And it becomes something in and of itself. Um, and it's a struggle when I paint. Like, I see a vision of something I want to paint on the mountaintop, but it's like it's working it out in the valley of the everyday life um, of, you know, just just living. And it's and it's bringing forth a painting is probably one of the hardest things I do yeah. for me because it's emotional. It's uh, it's a struggle. You know, it's like I'm struggling to, to bring it out. And I don't know if it's like that for everybody, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's it's more peaceful or something. But when I'm, I found out that a painting that really means something sometimes is it's really a struggle to bring forth. And, uh, but once it, it's almost like a childbirth kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but when it, once it comes forth, it's, you know, it becomes its own living thing in a way. It's kind of weird. That's cool. Hey, you know, speaking of broken fences and all of that, we all come to the Lord and our art journey with brokenness in our life and difficulty things we have to kind of allow the Lord to heal in us. Have there been roadblocks in your journey that you've had to really allow the Lord to work through in your life so that you could walk in the freedom and in the authority that you're walking now in your art journey? No, I'm a, I'm a perfect person. Well, praise God. What are you talking about, Matt? What? Oh man. Yes, definitely. And, and still ongoing, you know, um, I'm a selfish person and, uh, <laughs> just living a, a life just, it's not even about the art. Because mm-hmm. artists aren't special people, you know, we're just people, and um, so trying to be a good husband, a good father, and um, and a good son to the Lord. I mean, it's just like it's just like anybody, yeah. you know. Yeah. And artists don't have any kind of special past or special, uh, you know, relationship with the Lord at all, other than of people that are not creative. You know, I think maybe God reveals things to artists. Maybe they see things a little bit different than other people. Um, But we have the same struggles. And, you know, I grew up in a divorced home. And um, so that was that definitely played into just a lot of my um, striving and stuff like that in the beginning, striving to please and Mm. Um, he, he kind of breaks that he's broken that off of me over the years, you know, not that I don't have to please anybody. That's good. Uh, even when you paint, like it's a big, one of the like biggest things, like even painting in front of people, like trying to please make something good, you know, to force it to make something, I got to make something that looks good, you know, right. And I got to like me or, and, uh, but that, that just has fallen off over time. I don't even care if I paint something and paint over it at the end. Mm. You know, it doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't matter to me. Um, so I think it's just becoming more relational with people and, um, not trying to, not trying to make something happen. And, um, yeah, just, just knowing my identity as a son and, and following that, um, I think has been the biggest thing and just living, living my life with the Lord and, um, 
seeing the beauty of his creation and, and what I do. And, um, I think, I think that, I think that we, um, try to strive to, to be, be something that we're not. So I think just becoming who, who, who am I, who's Jacob, you know, that's what yeah. I'm, that's what I want to focus on. And, um, so that's kind of been my journey so far. Yeah, I know. I just, I resonate with that so much. I think, especially those of us that are, you know, I've been a musician and a visual artist and all this, and it's so easy to, to take your identity from the things that you do. But when you realize that, well, my identity is not in what I do, but it's in who I am, that I'm a son, that he loves yeah. me and that he's my source for all things that he's already given me everything I need for life and godliness. And my job is not to try to go out and tap dance for Jesus and make it happen. You know, my, my job yeah. is to cooperate with him in the place that he's called me in the season that he's called me. And as I do that, you know, provision and relationship and resources and all that are going to be there. And I think especially, I mean, I know, I know men and women deal with this, but I think especially for guys, uh, for, you know, those of us that grew up in a family that were, you know, like all of us that were told, you're the man, you're the responsible one. You got to yeah. provide for your family and do all this. And at some, at some point you start to realize, wow, you know, it's God's responsibility to provide for my family and my job to, to agree with him and do the things that he tells me to do. And yeah, that well, is, not yet. It's a shift, right though. It's a shift yeah. from the normal thinking. That's yeah, that's a huge, that's a huge thing. Yeah. So seeing where God provides and then following that, you know, and not, and not listening to the voices. I think where you mess up is where so many artists It's crazy. Cause I graduated with a studio arts degree one of my teachers told me that like over 90% of the people that graduate studio arts degrees don't follow art when wow. I go do, go do something else. Cause that pressure of the culture is so strong and pressure of, of uh, family members and, and uh, spouses be like, you know, of the fear of not being able to provide, especially through something in art. I mean, I get so many people say, you do this full time, you do this full time. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's wild, you know, and it's not something that I've done. It's like, yeah, I do it full time. You know, I'm so proud about it. You know, it's like, it's what just, other occupations do people ask that about? Right. It's like a yeah. doctor. Are you a full time doctor or you just do this for fun? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and it's just that stigmatism in our culture right. um, of just to uh, just to make it the American dream. It's it's pretty sick. Um, but I'd say to an artist, like if you have those voices, the big thing is like I was in a community that that fostered that. So right. they encouraged me to pursue it. And if you work hard and, you know, pursue it like you would anything else, like you can make a living at it. That's not really the issue. Um, it's the issue is just persevering when you don't, when you don't see things happen. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of been my life as one of my professors said, just paint good art and the buyers will come. Don't worry about selling your art. Just, just paint, just worry about painting good art. And then they'll, you know, then people, the people will be there to buy it. Right. You know? So I, I don't even worry anymore about, I'm, I'm a terrible marketer. I really, need to get, <laughs> I really need to get better at it. I mean, I post on Facebook like once a month <laughs> and, um, so 
I'm not really very good at selling my stuff, but um, I just want to focus on, you know, painting, painting good art and finding my, finding my voice. Absolutely. Well, Jacob, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I know people are encouraged by your story and what you guys are doing as a family. If they want to go see your work online, on Instagram, on the web, where are they going to find you at? Uh, we have a website. It's overflowstudios.org. Awesome. And um, so, yeah, you can go check out some work there. And my wife does amazing ceramics and um, her stuff. Her website is ceramics by Lena Love. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll have links for both of those in the podcast today. And uh, again, just thanks so much for all that you're doing. And I want to just encourage everybody to go see their website, uh, check them out wherever they are, uh, buy a print, buy an original, and um, just encourage uh, Jacob and Melina and what they're doing uh, in the kingdom, in the art. Hey, thanks so much for spending a few minutes with me today on the podcast. Listen, I hope it's been a huge encouragement to you on your journey as an artist. Hey, also, before you leave, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of the other episodes of the Thriving Christian Artist Podcast. And also, be sure to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, or at my website, which is matttommymentoring.com. Until next time, remember, you were created to thrive. Bye-bye.